Welcome! I'm Yuan Nielsen. And I'm Lincoln Murphy. And this is Impact Weekly. We're here to help you make your customers successful. Each week, we answer your most pressing customer success management questions by relying on our years of experience with companies around the world. Let's get this going. Hey, welcome back to Impact Weekly. We have a fresh question in our inbox here, and uh, let's dig in. Here it goes. Who typically defines the life cycle stages in a company? And what factors can impact the definition of life cycle stages? Okay. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, life cycle stages. You hear that a lot, right? I think it's almost everywhere. And I would say it's also almost everyone has their own way of doing this. Of course, it's customer success, right? (laughs) There's a million different ways to do things. I think this is definitely something that people talk about a lot. I think it's something that when you go a little bit deeper with people, you realize that we're all talking about different things. There's a lot of confusion. I think think a lot of times there's a misconception about life cycle stages. So I think this is a really interesting topic. It's fundamental really to to a lot of the the things that we talk about, like in Impact Academy. where we talk about capacity planning, really running a world-class customer success management organization, you you have to have these things called life cycle stages. I think we need to talk about why this matters. Why should you create life cycle stages? Yes. No, and I think it's really important to look at this from a real practical, how do we work and operationalize customer success point of view, because I've seen so many paper products like these are, these are the ideas we had for life cycle stages, but they are just, they're not being used at all. And they are yeah, basically doesn't help anyone. I think we should definitely get into a little bit why, why, and how can you set up really useful uh, life cycle stages? And may, maybe we'll start with the, the ones that are most obvious, and then we can go down uh, to, to the ones that most actually get wrong and also try to help people out there. Yeah, I think. So when we talk about life cycle stages, I think there's a couple of things we need to lay out so that we're looking at things the right way. Mm. The reason that we want to have discrete life cycle stages, that means separate stages with a, with a, a very clear ending point, um, is so that we can work our customer through a process of being successful, which is generally going to mean that they're achieving their goals. And we want to be able to ensure that we're delivering the appropriate experience to them at various points along the life cycle. And the only way we can do that is to define and really look at and define what these life cycle stages are. So you you brought up, let's talk about the most common ones. So we would maybe start with onboarding. Okay. Right. Onboarding is... It's going to generally, it's going to be the initial life cycle stage. Yes. It's the, it's the life cycle stage that is in most companies, the most well-defined because it's really all about us. It's about our product and it's, it's, I always say it's technical, functional, and administrative in nature. It's about getting the customer up and running. Yeah. And that's 
super common. That's the one lifecycle stage that most companies have well-defined, though I still, I do run into companies fairly frequently that don't have a very clear idea, very well-defined criteria for when a customer is on board. So if you don't have that, you really should. But, but that is a life cycle stage that, that most companies at least know what it's going to take to get the customer up and running. And of course, what that's going to take to get the customer up and running is right there, not in, entirely accurate because it, that, that would indicate that there's a one size fits all for all of your customers when in fact, some customers that, that they would need to go through onboarding <laughs> in this way. And some customers with, you know, with different characteristics would go through onboarding in a different way. So you have to look at your different customer uh, segments, but that's, you know, that's, there's a lot more to it, but we do need to understand that onboarding is, is that most common life cycle stage, but there's others, right? Yeah. And typically after onboarding, we have the adoption life cycle stage where, yeah, we've done the onboarding part and we defined, defined that one. And then we have the next part, which is where we expect the customer to blossom or to accelerate, if you like. And what's interesting about adoption is, and so we, I always look at it, there are two, there are two kinds of adoption. There's what I call breadth adoption, which is where we try to get as many users into the, in onboarding, we have, we've set everything up and we've assigned let's say a hundred licenses to, to users. Okay. Because mm. that's what the customer bought. So we've assigned those users. When we go into adoption, we go into this breadth adoption. I want all 100 of those users to, to get into the system, yeah. to, to configure their accounts, to set things up, to start using the product. Um, and then once that's done, then we would move into depth adoption, which is really where the individual users or cohorts of users will start to use the product in ways that are much more aligned with what they're trying to accomplish, their use case or their individual goals. And that's where in in sort of depth adoption is where you start to get customers to maybe use those sticky features. Mm. And that's, again, that's, those are somewhat well-defined in most companies that, that at least have that defined. Those are probably more defined stages. But once you get out of that, once you get out of adoption, and by the way, none of this is linear. Onboarding may be something you only go through once. If you have a hundred users to start out with, and, and later on you add another 50 users, those 50 users would, would themselves go through adoption. It's not just totally linear here, but what happens once we get out of adoption? Because right. I suspect that's where the, the interesting things happen. Yes. And I think this is where sometimes we see the, the next life cycle stage is renewal or expansion or uh, things like that. And here, I think it's also, we need to clarify a little bit these concepts and, and also, I think this is also where maybe the influence of sale come in again and so on. So, and we, at the impact Academy, we talk about the engagement phase and I think that's the proper one, but we, that one is a, it's a big one and we should, we should break it down basically. But maybe just first address that some of these, what, what's not really a life cycle stage, but still are things people sometimes put as life cycle stages. 
Yeah. And I'm guilty of listing out renewal and expansion as a, a quote unquote life cycle stage, just to draw attention to the fact that it's something that, that is going to come up as part of the customer's life cycle. Mm. Depending upon your situation, it may be something that does require renewal, maybe something that does require um, a good amount of person hours. It may require a dedicated resource to, to handle yeah. renewal. Yeah. Expansion may be the same thing. So it's, in some cases, it may be a big enough event that we need to look at it as at least a, a mini life cycle stage. But yeah. in a lot of cases, it's not really anything more than just this thing that's going to happen. But if we lay this out to say, look, on a 12-month contract, mm. we have onboarding that lasts, let's say, a month. Yeah. And there's, by the way, the, I'm just making up a number here. Onboarding doesn't have to be 30 days, but for nice round numbers here, onboarding lasts the first month. And then both adoption phases, let's say, take another month. And so there we go. We're two months into our 12-month contract. Renewal is going to happen, if my math is right, basically 10 months later. We might want to start talking about that nine months from now. What happens in those nine months? Right. And this is the thing. Most companies, most, unfortunately, I think still most, look, they have that onboarding. So they have the basically onboarding and adoption laid out, onboarding super detailed, adoption not so detailed, but that's the first 60 days. Then they have the last week or two or whatever to work renewal. Nothing else. That nothing else <laughs> is where our customers are spending most of their time. Right. That's the engagement phase. Yes. It's it's amazing how that is is where our customers spend most of their time, and yet that is where we spend a lot less time trying to figure out what we need to be doing with our customers. Yes. And here is also where we need guidance as well as as customer customer success managers on on what to focus on and where actually to allocate our time. And heads of customer success, you need to look at this part of the life cycle also for how many people do you need and what do we need to focus on and so on. So it's a really, it's a little bit of a black box in terms of a life cycle stage, but let's help people out here and see, okay, how do we break this down and how do we help drive the right, drive the right actions and the right priorities? Exactly. So we have been referring to it as an engagement phase, whereas everything else we said is our life cycle stages. And the reason yeah. we say it like that is because it's really, it is, it's a phase that itself will likely contain stages that you need to define. This monolithic engagement phase is not really a monolithic engagement phase. It's going to be made up of life cycle stages that are very unique to your situation and unique to your relationship with your customers. And the way we need to be looking at this is those stages need to be built around the customer's goals. Right. So if the whole idea of life cycle stages is to understand if our customers are making progress or not. Yeah. Because if we move them towards success, then they will renew. If we move them towards yes. success, they will buy more. We need to know if they're making progress. And that's what life yeah. cycle stages are for. So that we can look quickly look at all of our customers and say, are they making progress or are they not? And then if they're not, we can intervene. But yes. what are they progressing towards? 
I think this is, is, is a very easy and hands-on way to look at, at the customer's post-adoption phase is to say, okay, in my portfolio, I have these number of customers, they are progressing, they are, of course, I need to know what their goal is, of course, coming back to goal discovery and do, working with that, but that's a separate story. But given that you have that, at least then you know we're on the right track here. They're progressing, they're doing more, and they're getting closer to their goal. So that's that. Those customers, I don't, here I have those basically in my uh, all, maybe half or maybe 70% or 30%, whatever it is. Then I have the other half or the other 70% that are not progressing. These are the customers we want to also, we want to uh, get them back on track, right? Uh, but here, I think <laughs> yeah. a lot of us spend a lot of time here and I think we want to do that as well. Right. Uh, they have success potential, but they're not on their, they're not on their, on the great track to hit their goals. Yeah. So it is about making sure the customer is progressing towards their goal. And yes, goal discovery, the whole discussion of it is outside the scope of what we can, what we have time to talk about today. Yeah. We talk about it all we, the time on this pod. We though. might have mentioned it earlier in the pod. If you listen. Yeah. If you pretty much listen to any episode, we talk about goal discovery, but yeah. it, essentially that's what's critical in the engagement phase. And so yes. customers are working towards a goal. That's basically the life cycle stage that they're in. They're working towards a goal. And a customer might be working on, on several different goals at any one time, stacking those goals. And while we say yeah. a lot of this is not linear, they're going to be working through several stages at the same time. But basically, we're going to be able to look at that and say, our customers are working towards these three goals. Mm. And they're making progress on two of those and they're not making progress on one. I need to intervene and see what's going on there. And then I have maybe less complex customers who are working just towards one goal and I can see that, that they're either making progress or they're not. So I intervene accordingly if necessary. And so goal discovery as part of the engagement phase is absolutely critical. Yes. And I think when we, we talk about dropping the ball with the customer, let, letting the customer sort of fend for themselves, what we're talking about there is the fact that we're not actively engaging with them on what their goals are and we're not actively monitoring their progress towards those goals. But yeah. customers always have goals. Yes. And I think it is very easy to say, okay, a customer came in, maybe we did understand what their initial goal was. We got them up and running. We got them working towards that goal and now we just let them go. And we don't even know if they ever accomplished that, that goal, but maybe we did follow through on that first goal, we, mm. we helped them get there, they made it, and then we said, okay, cool, you're on your own. And that's, that's just not what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of maybe people out there now are going to think, okay, but how do I know? First of all, I need to know their goal, but how do I know if they're progressing or not? Uh, and I think we shouldn't overcomplicate this. There are, you can, of course, there, you can have indicators showing that they are on the right track. And that's what we do start to deliver a lot. We help you identify indicators that are telling you that they are progressing. Meaningful usage is a quite straightforward one. Of course, it's not the, the full picture, but it's going to help you a lot to prioritize as well. The more data that supports our, uh, us identifying the ones that are progressing and not will help out here as well. We shouldn't make this too vague either. It, it can be very concrete this when you work with it. Absolutely. We talk about discovering the customer's goals. The reality is, unless our product is just totally horizontal and just super generic and anybody can use it for anything, we probably have a finite number of like 
options that our customers are trying to accomplish, the finite number of goals that they're trying to accomplish. Yes, their goal is going to be unique. The specific characteristics of the objective yeah. and the time frame is going to be unique. But in terms of what they're actually doing, it, it's probably going to be one of a handful of options that they could be that they could be working on, which means we know what they need to do in order to achieve that goal without having to spend a lot of time with that customer coming up with a very specific and unique success plan, right? We just, we know, okay, here's where they're at. Here's where they want to go. And here are the progress milestones or the key events that they have to go through in order to, to achieve that goal. And then we know, okay, so we have the progress milestones. We have the key events in, in, in our CSM software in start deliver. We know these steps that they need to take between those key events. And we know what usage in, in our product is aligned with that progress. Yeah. So we can be looking for, as you said, meaningful usage. Yeah. It's one thing to say, oh, they're at, they logged in and they're active. Okay. Mm. But are the, is the stuff they're doing in the product actually in exactly. service of achieving their goal? So meaningful usage is the critical piece there. So yeah, we need to understand their goal. We need to know what, what they have to do to get there. And as long as we're be able to monitor that, mm. we can see if they're making that progress and we can see if they're not. And if they're not, we can intervene accordingly. We just can't, we can't just say a customer comes out of, of, of adoption and then for the next nine months they're on their own. And then we let's circle back and see if they'll renew. Yes. That's just no. not a recipe for continued success and growth as an organization. No, definitely. And I think exactly we were talking about before we got started, just some of the history of life cycle stages, where that comes from. <laughs> yes. T- no. talk, talk about that for a minute. Yeah. No, I think it also, you can tell from the questionnaire that this person has probably, maybe they had, someone had told them, these are the life cycle stages for you or for the customer success team and for your customers. I think that could be a scenario, but I think the history here is also or, or one, one, one of the things that make this or confuse people here is that you, in sales, we talk about pipelines and we talk about different stages in the sales cycle. And I think it's a common, it's quite common that after you won the deal, basically you want stages there as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, so and- continuing the pipeline past the close of the sale. Yeah. It's, that's interesting. So talk about from a sales perspective. Talk about what, what is, what do we mean by pipeline? Let's talk exactly. about that for just a no, second. No, but I, I think if for anyone who hasn't been in sales, I think we, you at least heard about pipeline and funnel. And I, I think it's, you have these potential customers out there, leads or and prospects, and then you have these stages in your pipeline to qualify them basically to become, mm-hmm. to make a decision to buy. And that's in most sales processes, there's quite a lot of leads and so you lose a lot of them on the way there. And just that right. part is really different from how we want <laughs> customer success to work, right? Uh, yes. If, so, if we applied that, <laughs> if we applied that to the, to actually working with customers where you get a bunch of yeah. customers in the top of the funnel and right. you only get a few out the bottom of the funnel, what as successful, like that yeah. would be terrible. But yes, right. from a sales perspective, that's how it works. So you get a bunch of leads in and then you work them through this process and a few come out the other end as customers. Yeah. Quite common hit rate from a lead to a one deal is like five, 10%. <laughs> we don't <laughs> want to, to, to have that type of 
like success rate with our customers, right? That that would be devastating. So yeah, we, we want a little bit better than so we can but, have higher ambitions, right? Exactly. Okay. Okay. So we know with, with a pipeline, what we're trying to do is work a, a lead through some sort of process so that they become a customer. But why does it matter if we understand where they are in the sales process, in the sales yeah. cycle? Like, what does it matter? It, it matters. It's also about, it's about qualification, but it's also about where do I as a sales rep or account executive spend my time? Mm-hmm. That's a very important part in the sales process to say, okay, do we really have a real interest? Do they have, do they, can they buy this product? Do they have authority and so on? There's a lot of things goes into qualifying a sales prospect. And it's all about which ones do I spend my time on as an account executive to make sure that we have, that we have a chance of, of getting this cut. So as, okay, that's interesting. So as a lead comes in and we start to work with them and qualify them, as we see them becoming more likely to become a customer, we will start maybe dedicating more resources to them. We will spend more time with them. Perhaps they will even expect more from us as they themselves realize that they're becoming more likely to buy, right? So their appropriate experience, if you will, from a buying standpoint would dictate at some point they're going to want more from you. So we know that as if we're working with a certain number of prospects at various stages in the pipeline, that I'm going to, as a salesperson, I'm going to have to spend a certain amount of time, person hours dedicated to these prospects in order to close them. So it's both a qualification process and understanding that being able to look at the pipeline and say, here's a number of of customers that we're going to be able to close this quarter. Yeah. But there's also a a capacity planning part of that as well. Like I can, I can actually work with this many prospects. So it's interesting that that exists in, in sales. And like you said, in the question, who typically defines the life cycle stages in a company when we're talking about life cycle stages of for customers, once they become a customer, right. we're not talking about in sales, but to your point, yeah. when we read this question, clearly there's a question here from the person asking it, who's supposed to define this? Because maybe yeah. someone else outside of customer success is trying to define this. So yeah. they're going, I thought I was supposed to define this. I'm the head of customer success. Right. Why are other people trying to get me to define it a certain way? Yeah, I think that's it. quite common. It can come from sales. It can also come from maybe you have this high level strategy session where you draw on the board and you map out the, the customer journey. And from a theoretical point of view, it might be easy to define these stages on the whiteboard like that. But uh, I think what we can tell from the question here is that maybe it's not working in practice. And, and that's mm-hmm. my experience as well, that to to make these life cycle stages useful uh we we need to really see what works in practice and what in what way does this uh these life cycle stages uh, serve us but maybe even more importantly the customer i think if you are in customer success if you're head of customer success and you're feeling the pressure like you said you on from sales who by the way it, it's not uncommon 
when, and we were talking about this before yeah. we started recording, when it comes to like customer segmentation and the old school way of segmenting customers based on what they pay us, that segmentation w- will often match the segmentation that takes place in sales. So yeah. the way that sales looks at potential customers and segments them by potential deal size, there's often pressure on customer success to adopt the same type of customer segmentation. So it's not a stretch then to think that sales may try to influence the way that we literally, the way that we lay out the life cycle stages with a customer. Yeah. But they're not taking into consideration actually working with the customer to make them successful. They're just thinking about extending the sales pipeline yes. beyond the initial sale to pick up any of that that land and expand growth Mm. that's going to happen with the account. That's all they're looking at. And we need to, as as customer success leaders, as head of customer success, you need to be able to push back on that and say, expansion is going to happen when we make Mm. our customer successful. I need to have a life cycle stage plan that is built around making the customer successful not built around just trying to sell them more. We will sell them a lot less if we do it that way. We will sell them a lot more if we actually make them successful. I think it's important to to understand that the influences, like you said, our sales, it might be that big strategy session that we had at our corporate offsite. It could be consultants of any kind, customer success, sales, process, who knows, right? Consultants are coming in, giving all sorts of crazy ideas. It could also come from product especially yeah. if you're in a product-led growth organization, product has mm. ideas about that. And we just need to be able to, in, in customer success, not just ignore what everybody else is saying, but take what they say, look at it objectively, and then advocate for what we know is going to be the right way to work our customers right. through their life cycle with us to ensure yeah. that they're successful, that they stay as long as possible, that yes, they buy more, but because they're of that success and that they also advocate for us. Yeah. Cool. But let's wrap this up. Life cycle stages are three main takeaways here. I'll start. Number one here, we absolutely think that customer success should define the life cycle stages for our customers. Definitely. Uh, number two, life cycle stages should be there to serve the customer so we can see their progress. And last, life cycle stages should be there to help us with capacity planning and our prioritization. Those are the three takeaways. Thanks for listening and see you back next week. Hey, thanks for listening. Do you want to bring your customer success to the next level? Check out Impact Academy. We have training programs for customer success managers and for leaders in customer success.